0: Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis.
1: Hey, folks. If you've been following our project for any amount of time, then you are well aware that we don't pull any punches when it comes to how Christians are behaving because they're entangled with the state. And during this project, we've talked with folks who don't claim Christianity because their perspective is important to get Christians to understand that maybe, just maybe, they aren't following the teachings of Christ. Today, I have the one and only Pete Quinones on the show to discuss this very topic. Right, left, right. We'd rather yes. serve God In messaging getting this conversation set up, I mentioned that I know you aren't a Christian, but I don't know completely where you stand. You and I have interacted some I, I want to say for the past couple of years, I'm not sure exactly when we connected on Facebook, but I know it was before COVID started and I've been following you for a while now. I'm a huge fan of your show, probably one of the top five podcasts that I listen to. But before we get into all of this, just in case, like I told you before we started recording, 99.9% of the folks who follow our project know who you are. But just in case, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: P. Freeman, Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast.
1: I'm over at the Libertarian Institute
0: as well. And by um, any means necessary is my sub stack that's gotten pretty popular. And myself, Chris Cofer, and Robert Rex put out a documentary last year called Monopoly on Violence. It's on Amazon Prime now. And uh, we're pretty proud of that one.
1: Yeah, that was a great documentary. Super, super proud of you guys for doing that. We we're in the process of doing a documentary about Christian anarchy. And I don't know if it's ever been done. The reason I, I considered doing it is because our producer, I don't know that she's doing it. She kind of just has her, her her own way of doing things. And she'll put out videos on YouTube and take some parts of our commentary on the podcast and do a video about it. And the first time she did it was one I did with Scott Goldman. And it was fantastic. And I told her, I said, you know, I think you could probably produce a documentary. And she's like, well, I don't know if if, if I could do that. And I've got some folks involved with the project that we have a guy that has done documentaries in the past. So we're, it's going to be a low budget thing. And I think I messaged you in the past so just to try to figure out kind of how much that costs. And you said the biggest cost was the travel expenses that went into it. And We're in the very, very beginnings of doing this, and I've talked to Stephen from Anarcho Christian about helping us out with this as well, because, I mean, let's be honest, Stephen Rose kind of started all this this stuff that we're doing right now, and listening to your podcast before, I think maybe that was how I became in contact with you, because I had never heard of you until I started following Anarcho Christian, and I heard him on your show, or he shared his show, or his episode on your show, and... Correct me if I'm wrong and I don't know if this is a is the right language or words to use but you you tend to you seem to have a soft heart for Christian anarchists in a way like you kind of get it what we're doing am I am I wrong in that aspect you No know, my reading of the
0: Bible is that every Christian should be an anarchist uh, I don't see where the whole bowing to a state much less worship of a state that I see in the United States
1: I've done some study on the early church and that's where it really kind of solidified my understanding of Christian anarchy since this project's going on. If you, if you read, especially before Constantine, like the first 400 years of Christianity, if you read the writings of the early church fathers, they had absolutely nothing to do with the state. Like they weren't even interested in what was going on with the Roman empire. And they went so far as to not allow people in the church that were even involved with the military. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of solidified for me. Now, you get past that to the Constantine era, then you know that that's when the entanglement started. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. It's It's been very frustrating trying to explain this to your mainstream Christian because they don't get it. They don't understand that Christians aren't supposed to be involved with the state. One of the biggest pushbacks I get from, from your regular Christian is, well, how are we going to change the state without having Christians in it? (laughs) I was interviewed on another podcast the other day, and he said 86% of the folks in Congress are claiming Christianity. Well, maybe Christians are screwing this up. Maybe, maybe Maybe Christians are the reason the state has gotten so bad. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think that
0: because so much of the country identifies as Christian, that your elected leaders, even if they're not, or if they're nominally, they're going to paint themselves out to be Christian. So, I mean, I think anybody who goes into politics is going into politics to get wealth and power. So, I mean, there's very rare exceptions. I think they would say anything in order to secure that uh, secure that office.
1: I think Ron Paul might be one of the exceptions. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm very, very kind of strict about this when it comes to Christians in politics. And it it rubs some libertarians the wrong way when I I say this, but I just don't think we should be doing that. Like, I I love a lot of what Ron Paul has to say. I just, I don't know, man. I'm I'm very conflicted in that area. and, And I try to keep my mouth shut because it pushes people in a direction that they don't want to hear, especially libertarians. But when you look at how entangled Christians have become with the state, it's pretty disturbing. And when you look at how... Christians are being perceived by non-Christians, it's even more disturbing. This is why I wanted to talk to you, because we're, we're trying to do this some more with the show, is get folks that have an outside per- perspective, because I need Christians who understand how they're being perceived. Maybe, just maybe, they're not following the teachings of Christ. So tell me how you view Christianity, or Christian, not so much Christianity, but maybe just, just Christians who are calling themselves Christians and entangled with all this stuff?
0: Well, I mean, I don't really see Christianity as something that's been taken uniform for a very long time. I mean, as soon as you had the Protestant Reformation, you had factions breaking up, you have all these, and now you have denominations. I mean, when I was going to church 20 years ago, I think we had like researched it and there were 45 or 50,000 registered denominations. And so it's gotta be like, uh, I would assume it's doubled by then. I think it's people having an, I don't even know if it's people reading the Bible and interpreting it differently, just coming at it from a different angle. I think people just, maybe the, the whole culture of the United States where the individualism and everything like that just causes people to interpret things differently, break apart, and, and what that tells me is, is that people just want to worship differently. Now, as far as the way Christians act, I mean, I, I, I'm i not one of these people who's like, oh, you're a hypocrite and everything like that, because I've read the Bible. I understand the Bible. I understand that it says, you know, every everyone's a sinner, even after you're saved. So you're still going to be a sinner. I just think that the thing that really, since I became interested in liberty Uh, it it just upsets me that so many christians are just wedded to the state wedded to this this notion that you have to worship the state wedded to this notion that you know this is a christian nation that it was founded by christians sure there was some there were a lot of christians there a lot weren't christians i mean thomas paine you could say is the Maybe one of the main influences for starting this country. And if you've ever read any of the things he had to say about Christianity, he was one of its most vehement opponents. He had vile things to say about Christianity. I mean, like really come down hard, really insulting, and really going hard. But somehow, somewhere, this trope started that, you know, this is a Christian nation. It was founded by Christians. And Ronald Reagan used that almost that New Jerusalem kind of thing, like a, a city on a hill for America. And I mean, it's like Reagan had the uh, moral majority in the White House with him and everything like that. I, my biggest, I wouldn't say critique, but just disappointment is that Christians are so wed to the state that they excuse like the worst things it does, like war. And then You know, we can get into like dispensationalism, which basically gives Israel carte blanche to do whatever they want to kill and slaughter whoever they want in pursuit of a temple. And modern Christianity has nothing to say about that, even though that Israel basically dictates our Middle Eastern policy. The typical thing that you'll hear from someone is, oh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. They preach to act like this, and then they act like this. I don't care about that. Everybody's a jerk in my, as far as I'm concerned. You know, It's the interpretation, especially of eschatological passages that really cause harm and cause death around the world. I mean, that seems to be the one thing that, that really disappoints me, and also the fact that And I mean, no king but Christ. And then they worship, they they can't wait to vote for a king. I mean, I have faith the size of a mustard seed now. Um, I've studied, ever since I left the church, I've studied other, um, I've studied Eastern religions. They seem to speak to me a little bit more. It helped me. I had a real fear of death at one point. I mean, for most of my life. And then some of the tenets of Hinduism really helped me to get rid of that. But there's still something, I mean, I can talk, anybody who wants to, like, I was just, just recorded two hours with Matt Erickson. We were talking about the Bible and talking about how he's, you know, looking back looking at Orthodox Christianity. I just did a bunch of eschatology talk on uh, on Adam Patrick's podcast. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I love to talk about it.
1: Well, I know in messaging you and when we were getting setting this up, I told you, I said, I, I wanted to get your perspective. And you said, I would re- much rather talk about that than the nap. <laughs> and I literally laughed out loud when you said that, because I don't know how much you, you've had to talk about the nap. I mean, I, it's, it's whatever to me, but it was funny that you said that. And I, I kind of want to touch back on something you said, because it's, it's kind of something that I've noticed lately too, is, is the whole Israel aspect, because Christians... Tend to and I, I hear this oh, man. You can't. You don't even know how much pushback I get from Christians when I talk about. Do you understand that the the, the Israeli government is killing Palestinian children? They're moving children or, or families out of their homes and into and moving in themselves just because you think that this is God's chosen people. That's not anything that Jesus instructed people to do ever whatsoever. I mean, and that's where my frustration lies with Christians is because they don't understand that, or they should understand. They Maybe they do understand, but they ignore it. If you, if you look at how the the state of Israel is acting towards other people or how the United States government is acting towards other people, that does not fall in line with the teachings of Christ whatsoever, whatsoever. And Christians need to understand that. But I want to talk about the Israel aspect to, with you a little bit. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. and I hadn't planned on it, but this is, this is going to be a cool conversation. Tell me, tell me what you think about all that.
0: There is in dispensational theology, which is barely 200 years old at this point. And when it comes to tradition, when it comes to a, a belief system that is 2,000 years old, something that just got discovered 200 years ago, you should be suspect of. You should really be suspect of it. dispensational theology, I mean, and I'm going off 20 years ago studying all this. So if I get stuff wrong, you can yell at me on Twitter. But it's basically saying that Jesus won't come back until the temple is rebuilt in Israel and and the Jews start sacrificing animals again. And if everything is about the advent of Christ, you're willing to forgive anything. You're willing to, and then you believe, you know, then there's the verse, all Israel will be saved. I mean, you want to talk about misinterpreting some scripture up there. I, I've heard people say that all Jews will be saved because of those three words or four words that every Jew that ever lived is going to be saved. And I'm just like, I don't know about that. man. I mean, you're looking in the New Testament and they're talking about Israel and they're talking about the new Israel. And it sounds like it's Christians to me, but oh, well. Israel was never a place. It was the people of God. <laughs> call it whatever you want, but I mean, that that country wasn't Israel. It was Palestine, or you know, it was inhabited by the Philistines forever. That's where you get Palestine from. But this idea that if, if the temple has to be rebuilt for Jesus in order to, to come back, and all Jews are going to be saved anyway, well, you're just going to forgive them for whatever they do if they're going to put a bullet in a two-year-old's head or whatever they need to do in order to to rebuild that temple. I mean, it's just I've read I, I mean, I, I remember reading an article that was positing that the dispensational eschatology was really started by like the proto-Zionists. That it was like a way to get Christians to start getting them used to the idea that they were going to go take that land back. And there were people on that land, no matter what anybody wants to think, go read Ben Gurion and read Herzl. The proto-Zionists they they talk they talk about it in the late 1800s, and now it's like, well, I mean, Israel can do whatever they want. And I mean, come on, think about it. What is Israel? Israel is populated mostly with white Europeans. I mean, the people in the Bible didn't look like white Europeans. They looked like the people in Gaza and the people, you know, that's what they looked like. So I don't know if it was Scott Horton or or Sheldon Richmond made the point. Could have been Shlomo Sand too that. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of Americans look look over there and they see dark-skinned, curly-haired people who don't speak the language. And then when they look at the Israeli government, they see a bunch of white Europeans who were, a lot of them were educated in the United States, some of them educated in the best colleges, you know, in, in Europe. And they're just like, they choose a side. I mean, you have Israel, like, literally, like, launching... Like chemical weapons, uh, depleted uranium into Gaza, causing birth defects and cancer and everything like that, and they don't care a a darn about it. And then, and a Palestinian kid picks up a rock and throws it at a tank, and all of a sudden, you know, that that kid must be destroyed. Like I said, I don't judge Christians for sinning. I mean, we all sin according to the Bible, but the idea that you would excuse atrocities. Because you interpret the Bible in a certain way, thats in a way that wasn't interpreted for 1,800 years, that's insanity. And that's bizarre. And I mean, that is sinful. And the Bible does talk about a sin that can't be forgiven. Who knows what that is? A lot of people have tried to figure that out in the last
1: 2,000 years, but hey, you know. It's very interesting to me because... And I know your friend Ryan Dawson from the anti neocon report. I, I discovered him by listening to a show that you shared that I guess you were on with him and a couple other guys, some other dudes' podcasts. And I started listening to this guy. I was like, man, this dude knows a lot about a lot of things. And I started listening to some of his stuff, and it'll take you down a rabbit hole that you're not expecting to go down. And I and I love going down rabbit holes, man. If I didn't go down rabbit holes, I wouldn't be where I am right now, to be honest with you. But he talks about how ingrained and how the Israeli government is actually running the United States government. And I don't think Christians understand that. And so if you look how Israel is treating Palestine, then you understand why the United States government is treating Yemen and Iraq and Syria, Afghanistan. You know, you understand it more that way. But I'm going to tell you something. If you guys listen to this right now, go check out that dude's podcast. Because if you you want to be led down a rabbit hole, he's going to to lead you down one. And I really appreciate the work he's doing. And people need to understand, especially Christians need to understand just how ingrained that the Israeli government is with the United States government. And he talks about this, too, is you don't hear about it through our media. The media is going to defend Israel constantly, no matter what, no matter what. And it's very disturbing. It's And you said you used the word bizarre a while ago. It's very bizarre that Christians will even just look at it and be like, well, that's cool. It's because it's Israel. No, no, no. That's not how this works. We follow the teachings of Christ. And everything that the United States government is doing, the Israeli government doing, that's not how Christ told us to behave ever.
0: Well, I mean, let me dispel another myth about Israel. I'm sure you've heard this one well, we need Israel because you're the only democracy <laughs> in the Middle East. Okay, well, all right. First of all, if you're if you're a libertarian or an anarchist, cheering democracy, good luck with that. <laughs> um, second of all, it's a theocratic socialist state. There was just a story of people from Brooklyn weren't born in Israel, but they have the right of return, and they return to Israel, and there was a Palestinian house and the people went. The people who lived in the house went visiting other people. And while they were there, the people went in there and built a partition in the house and started living in half the house. And nine years later, they just threw the people out and just took over the house. So if you go back to Israel, they're either going to build you a house or they're going to give you a Palestinian's house. They're going to give it to you. You are not paying for it. That's socialism, okay? And then the United States government gives them what three point, three point two to three point five billion dollars a year. Everything I've read, Ashkenazi Jews have the second highest um, mean IQ on the planet. They, you can see Ashkenazi Jews running banks. You can see them run, the biggest businesses in the world. I mean, this isn't racism. This is just fact. Do they need welfare. So they're a socialist welfare state. I mean, free houses to people who never live there. And, and a lot of those houses are just taken away from people who those houses have been in their families for decades, maybe a century. Israel is not a democracy. They're socialism, something that conservatives hate, something that Christians hate. They'll tell you, oh my God, socialism. But you're cheering on the, the biggest socialist country on the planet. And welfare queens. For any Ronald Reagan fans out there, they're welfare queens. Come on, come on. This is easy. You can search the internet. I know it's gonna. I know it goes up against your cognitive dissonance and starts hurting real bad and everything. But this is fact. They are socialists and they are welfare queens. So the United States gives them military technology. Gives them military technology. And in the early 2000s, it was discovered they were turning around, they were taking that military technology and turning around and selling it to China. I thought, isn't China, if you're a conservative, isn't China the enemy now? I mean, that's what Trump taught you, China, um, China's taking over the whole world and everything like that. Israel sell, w- was taking stuff that we gave them and turned around and selling it.
1: These are facts. You can look this up. When you talk about, maybe it was this, the Ryan Dawson podcast, I don't know. But I heard it the other day, and I never knew this, that the United States foreign aid to Israel is larger than the entire country of Africa. Sorry, continent of Africa. And number two was Egypt. And they still seven times more than Egypt and the continent
0: of Africa. And then you have to wonder why they'd be giving all this money to Israel and the country they fought the 1967 war against. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, and Saudi Arabia, they, Saudi Arabia. Oh my God, the Sunnis, they hate the Jews. Oh, you sell them. How, how, many, how many billions of dollars worth of weapons do you give them? People don't, do not understand the Middle East at all. The Middle East, it, it, it's just, it's a cartel. It's a cartel of military industrial complex money just getting spread all over the place. The people they hate the most are the ones that don't want anything to do with it. You know, oh, we hate Iran so much. They took over the embassy in 1979 and held people, Americans hostage for 444 days. They were still selling Iran weapons in 1991. Come on. This is theater. This is theater.
1: Yeah, You're one of the first people that I heard use that term theater. Cause when you've seen it over the past year as well, it's all theater. And when you look at everything that has gone on, maybe we'll get into COVID here in a second, but when you look at everything that's gone over the past year, it's all theatrics. The G7, is it G7 Summit? I'm so disconnected from political stuff now that I just don't care. Like, it's not my thing. I'm a Christian, I follow Christ. So it's, But I see things in passing and I saw some photos of all these guys together, hanging out, hugging and stuff. And then you see them up on stage and they're all like social distancing. That's theater, man. What what did you say? You you shared something on Facebook. It was a, maybe it was a gif or jif. I don't know if it's gif or jif, how you say it, but it was a dude standing on stage. He put his mask on, walked to the podium, took his mask on. And you said, it's theater, you plebs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, It's
0: the whole COVID thing right from the start. I mean, think about this. These rich, wealthy elites have been buying up land There's stories about them buying up like missile silos and stuff like that to live underground in case something happens. If this would have been the Black Plague right from the start, they would have disappeared. If they didn't go to like, if they didn't have missile silos, they would have been holed up somewhere. They weren't hiding. They weren't hiding. Bill Gates, there is no picture of Bill Gates with a mask. Well, there's one. Allegedly, Bill Gates is wearing a mask and he's getting his vaccine shot. But Go look at that picture and tell me if you think that's Bill Gates. You can take a side by side and just go, okay, the the hair and the ears are completely different. So, it, it, come on, don't lie to me. You would think that that would be the one guy because I mean he's the one running all over the world preaching vaccines and you know killing kids in India with his vaccines and stuff like that and p- paralyzing kids in Africa. I mean, it was all theater it, it, right from the start. I mean, I, I mean there was no better picture of theater than last year during the george floyd riots like nancy pelosi and them got dressed up in like the african wear and they like went down on one knee if i would have done that i would have been cultural appropriation or pandering or you know they would have just said it was racist it's all theater then we find out from the time magazine article that the election was theater it's all theater
1: man hey folks Craig here And I'd like to let y'all know, we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, and send us an email at the Bad Roman at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project. And we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Do you remember the, like what was what they call it when the folks rushed the Capitol? I don't remember what they call this. What? Oh, the the insurrection? Yes. All right. So I, I work nights normally. And so I woke up to some messages from some people about what was going on and I stay away from mainstream media. If I want my news, I get it from folks like you or Scott Horton or who whoever. I, I get my news from podcasts cuz I trust y'all. I don't trust what's going on there. But I did flip on the TV just for a second to see what was going on cuz I woke up and there were some messages. And I watched it for about 5 minutes, turned it off, rolled over and went back to sleep because it didn't surprise me. I think that was theater. That was all theater and it, it was it was it was done just for that. And, and then you see pictures coming out of these Congress folks hiding under chairs and under desks while this is going on. And, I, and it, it was perfect because these are the same people that are sending folks to fight in wars to kill people we'll never meet. They're, they're cowards. The United States government is full of cowards and they can use it, use their so-called power in a way to kill people. It's all theater all theater for their benefit. It's definitely not for our benefit. I'm so sick of hearing the soldiers died for your freedom. Listen, if we're gonna be honest, especially over the past year, if my freedoms were being defended by the troops, then Washington DC would be on fire. Every governor's mansion in this country would be on fire. That's garbage. They're defending the state. They're not defending Pete. They're not defending Craig. I don't want to hear that garbage anymore. And now we're sending these folks into other countries on this false narrative. And it sickens me. And Christians get behind this like, yeah, rah, rah, war stuff, man. No, I'm done. I'm done with it, man. It it, it pisses me off to a point that I have. I I can't even talk to Christians sometimes anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it's so
0: infuriating to me. Yeah. And just go back on the insurrection thing for a second. I forget who started reporting on this now. I think it was Tucker Carlson. And then I think um, No Agenda podcast picked up on it. Some other people are picking up on it. All the unindicted co-conspirators. So like, there's a whole bunch of unindicted co-conspirators in this insurrection. That means that they're listed, but their names are redacted. Well, what is that normally? It's FBI. It's FBI infiltrators. And I mean, that's what we've seen, you know, if you read like um, the book, The Terror Factory by, I can't remember his name, but um, it shows that like after nine eleven, they like caught all these terrorists that were planning on attacking the United States and they were all set up. They were all constructed. They would like find some kid in a chat room, you know, who had a Muslim name and he was in America and they would show him. Picture, they would show him like pictures of what drone bombs did from the United States. And notice they didn't show him like pictures of the flag and the Constitution so that he would hate us for our freedoms. No, they showed him pictures of, of mangled bodies in other countries. And um, they would radicalize these, these people, tell them how to build the bombs, tell them where to get the materials, and then send them off to do it and then arrest them and then say, Hey, we just, we just stopped a, a terrorist plot. There's a whole book of them, the Terror Factory.
1: Terror Factory. I'm gonna have to check that out. So I was thinking about this, and I've thought about it actually quite a bit lately. You know, back when Ron Paul was ran, I don't really remember 2008, but I remember 2012, and at the time I was still in my neocon ideals, and I remember booing him off the stage. But he said something, and you go back to it, and he said, "There's," he's talking about blowback, and I don't think people understand really what that means I think people need to understand what that means because if you understand why these folks are pissed off at us it's because we've been occupying their countries for years killing their families and children they're pissed off because we're killing them not because what George W. Bush says because of our freedoms they hate it I bought into that garbage man I told Scott Horton this when I was when I when I interviewed him and I I bought into all that garbage. They hate us because of our freedoms. No, they hate us because we're killing them. Think about that for a second. If if these folks were marching down our streets and and taking your family out of your house and murdering them and raping them, would you not be a little upset about it, Pete? Oh yeah, I mean I'd
0: be. This is what I've told people when um, the whole thing was going on with Israel Gaza, like three or four weeks ago. And, you know, Israel's just launching bombs in there and the the people in Gaza are shooting their rockets, which are basically like oversized fireworks. I I just basically got to the point where I was like, look, if I lived in Gaza and they came and they took me out of my bed, stole my house and put me out on the street, I would make it my life's work to kill them. I'm sorry, I'm not forgiving. I'm not going to turn the other cheek. It's going to be my life's work, especially if they take out one of my children. Take out one of my family members in the process. It's going to be my life's work. And another thing you were talking about was blowback and occupation. One of the things that Scott Horton did in his book was show that where you see suicide bombers is where you see occupation. And Scott only talked about Middle Eastern nations, and people are like, "Oh, suicide bombing—it's those damn Muslims and everything." Why? I guess you haven't. Stu- I guess you didn't study uh, Northern Ireland, huh? During the Troubles. Uh, what happened there when the Brits were occupying Northern Ireland and there were suicide bombings. Um, yeah, white people do it too.
1: Okay? <laughs> it's really interesting to me how people can be so dismissive of what's going on. I, I, I don't get it anymore. I mean, this <laughs> is not happening here. It's not happening here because it's not happening here. If
0: it was happening here, remember, remember the only time that people get upset when something happens here is nine 11 it's like, oh, my, they attacked us for our freedoms. They hate us for our freedoms. You know, the 300,000 dead kids in Iraq during the 90s, I guess that, you know, that wouldn't have anything to do with it. It wasn't like Osama bin Laden didn't say in his le- open letter to America in 1997, the reason I, I'm declaring a fatwa on you is because you're killing kids in Iraq. Oh, no, I mean, it's like, why would he? People didn't even know about that letter. If the New York Times does publish it, they're not going to be talking about it on the evening news. The United States foreign policy has been killing indiscriminately for what? I mean, since World War II. Well, yeah, but Vietnam is really when you start. You know, you had in, in 1960 when Eisenhower's two terms are up. He does a farewell speech and he warns about the military industrial complex. And that's what you saw in Vietnam. It was like, I mean, look who got rich in Vietnam. It was all the people who were making the helicopters. and everything. I mean, their helicopters were being, what was it one helicopter was being shot down every like 12 minutes or something like that? It's was, it was ridiculous, you know? Uh,
1: it's another thing that Christians, and, and Scott Horton mentioned this when I interviewed him, it, Christians tend to hold on to the United States Constitution. They're the right-wing side, I guess, or the evangelical uh, types. But if you go back and read the Constitution. This is actually where my rabbit hole started that led me to anarchy. It was my study of the United States Constitution. Because it happened when Donald Trump got nominated. I was like, I can't get on board with this guy. This guy's garbage. This guy's a jerk and he's treating people like But I was like, something's wrong here. So I started studying the Constitution. I was like, I'm a a Republican. I'm a conservative. We hold on to the Constitution. I'm a Christian. We hold on to the Constitution. But Donald Trump said it's not always relevant. Right there on Fox News, sitting next to Mike Pence. And Mike Pence didn't bat an eye. So I was like, something's wrong here. So I started studying it. And then when you get into the Constitution, you understand that we haven't been in a Constitution that declared war since World War II. And we could get into how maybe nefarious that is. But just that fact, according to the United States Constitution, every war since World War II has been illegal. What do they call them now? Uh... uh, Conflicts, police actions—they do all sort, all sorts of things. What was the War Powers Act? I I get this thrown in my face too from Christians. I was like, wait a second—the War Powers Act does not replace the United States Constitution. You cannot change the Constitution with with an Act. If you want to change the Constitution, go through an Article Five. You can't do it with an Act. But people don't understand it, and it drives me crazy that the willful ignorance is what bothers me the most. Like they won't even take the time to research this stuff and they follow their favorite guy on Fox News or CNN and what they're saying is right. No, 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 do it yourself. Go back and check and make sure that you're right about this because the United States government, the Israeli government has been causing atrocities for decades and we don't even acknowledge it because like you said earlier, it's not happening here. If all of that was happening here, it would be a whole different story. But we saw it over the past year. You know what I'm saying? We saw our liberties being just trampled because of safety, because, we were, because people were scared. Uh, uh-uh. You give them an answer, you're going to take a foot. I'm done with it, man. Well, that, that
0: AUMF from 2002, which basically said, gives a blank check to any president to start any war. They may have voted on it yesterday, one One branch may have voted on it yesterday to get rid of it. That would be helpful. I mean, you you try to hold them to their own. I mean, I don't care about their laws and everything like that, but they do. So you try and hold them to it. But, you know, they do whatever they want anyway. I mean, they they created the Constitution and then they said, oh, okay, we're going to create this body over here that's going to be the only one that can interpret it. Well, that's good. I mean, can I do that? Okay, can I make my own laws and then be the only one who can interpret, you know, and then be the one who. If it looks like they're broken, then I could be like, "Nope, I'm just going to change that every once in a while they'll sacrifice somebody and that goes right down to the um you know it's a local officer friendly Yeah, you know, I mean I, I, that's one of the things I've never understood, especially with conservatives and Christians, especially is like how they can be so distrustful of the government and not realize that their cousin or brother or neighbor who's a cop is a government agent and is probably the worst government agent because they're enforcing in your neighborhood. It's not like the feds. It's not like the FBI is driving around your neighborhood, you know, looking to see if you're breaking the law. No, your neighbor is, your literal neighbor is doing that. I've debated cops and they, they will honestly say, well, I mean, if you think that law is immoral, if you think that law is wrong, vote for better politicians. And all that tells me is when when a cop tells me that is, you know, that what you're doing is wrong. You're just making an excuse and you're blaming it on me. You're saying it's my fault because I didn't vote the way you think I should vote. You're just saying, I'm going to collect a paycheck, I'm going to follow just follow orders like a Nuremberg defense, and um, because it's your cousin or it's your auntie or something, it's it's okay because you know I, hey, I know that they're good people, so you know I, I know that they would never do anything. A cop, basically everything a cop is stopping someone for is unconstitutional. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's ridiculous.
1: And I've heard you say this on your show more than once when you talk about the police. And I've heard this from people face to face. Well, my brother's a cop and I know he's a good person. And, and I've heard you say, but you don't know how he's acting out there. And that's so true. I, I had a guy at work. He's like... That very thing to me, I was like, he may be a good person in your family circle, but how do you know how he's behaving out there with that uniform on, with that gun strapped to his hip, with that badge on his chest? How do you know? Because I do know that every police officer takes a, an oath to the United States Constitution. Don't they?
0: I, yeah, I mean, with their fingers crossed behind their back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the First Amendment, the First Amendment does not exist with a cop. Okay, and here's a way to talk back to a cop.
1: Now uh, you'll, uh, you'll be face first on the concrete with your hands cut behind your back. Yeah, tell a cop F you. So he throws you down on the ground and arrests
0: you. Violation of the First Amendment right there.
1: I saw a post the other day. and It said, uh, if a cop is able to shoot you because they saw a gun, then you don't really have the right to bear arms. And I was like, that's perfect. Exactly. Yeah, the
0: first thing, uh, if a cop stops you, and he knows you have a weapon on you, the first thing he does is take the weapon. And and then you'll have have bootlickers say, well, you know, cops will never confiscate your guns. It's like, really? So you're telling me when when a cop arrests somebody and they have a gun, they don't take their gun away from them? Where does it say in the Second Amendment that you have a right to bear arms unless you're in suspicion of a crime? It doesn't say that anywhere. So why are they taking the gun? I mean, they take the gun away from them if civil asset forfeiture. They'll take your guns. They'll take anything, anything of value. I mean, cops, are, they're vile, and they don't even realize it. That's the thing. That's the worst thing about it is they do not realize. I, don't, I hope they don't realize it because if they do realize it and they still do it, that's a bigger problem. But I think they're just brainwashed into thinking that they're heroic. But I mean, every cop, oh, he he would never, cops will never take your guns. Really, if they arrest someone, they take their gun. I got arrested. They took my gun. It took me like eight months to get that thing back. Then when I got it back, the magazine was missing. So they stole from me. Come on. But, oh, they're cops. They can't steal. Really? Okay. It sounds like stealing to me. If that guy didn't have that badge and that gun and took that stupid oath, it would be stealing. If I did it to somebody, if I stopped Hey, you shouldn't be smoking that plant. I see you have a gun. Give me a gun. Give me your gun. I'm going to lock you up in my basement for six months. I'd be a criminal. I'd be in jail because all of a sudden he said some magic words. He has a shiny piece of tin and he's getting a paycheck. Now he can do things that I can't do. That means that there's a class of people above us in this country and we all don't have equal rights.
1: Exactly, And I've said this so much lately or not not even just lately, just over the past two or three years, that the state only protects the state. They have no interest in your rights. The
0: Supreme Court has declared that over and over again. Warren versus District of Columbia, Town of Castle Rock, uh, V. Gonzalez, um, New York City declared it, Lazito versus New York City. Yeah, I mean, over and over again. It's just, the cops do, are not there to protect you. If, if a cop protects you, and saves you or saves your property or something just consider yourself lucky that's not their job it isn't their job at all their job is to show up 10 minutes after you've been assaulted take a report then you never hear from them again it's pretty much policing
1: well and what's always interesting to me is that when the cops do do something right we celebrate it and i'm like isn't that what they're supposed to be doing anyway that's what they're supposed to be doing. Why am I supposed to celebrate this stuff? Y'all are taking my money from me to, to fund these folks. Aren't they supposed to do that? I'm not going to celebrate them doing the right thing. That's their freaking job, right? And when they do something wrong, well, it's okay. They're not perfect.
0: You expect them to be perfect? It's like No, how about just giving them one job, okay? If police were just investigators, come on. They show up less than 5% of the time to stop a crime that's in progress.
1: I say we take their weapons away and let them be like, wh- like in the old time where they just have whistles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just let them be investigators, investigate violent crimes, investigate property crimes. That's what, they, that's what they're supposed to do. But really, all they do is take the police report, hand it to you so that you can give it to your insurance company. That's pretty much what a cop does most of the time. or. Or they're kicking indoors because, oh, Duncan Lemp. Hey, let's talk about Duncan Lemp.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that because it's not nobody nobody apparently people don't understand what happened there. And it's infuriating.
0: Yeah, shot him through the window. They, oh, oh, he may have illegal guns. Illegal. Okay, there you go. There's that name again. So what did the police do? Show up at four o'clock in the morning when you're sleeping. Shoot him through the window. Drag his pregnant girlfriend through the broken window that they just shot shot him through. I mean, kill him and you know, leave the pregnant the pregnant girlfriend. I mean, come on, this is this is insanity. Why are they showing up at four o'clock in the morning? If there are illegal guns there, the guns will be there if you show up at four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, let me tell you something. If I was breaking into a house, I would expect to get resistance with the gunfire shot back at me at four o'clock in the morning. I would expect that. Maybe these cowboys just want that. I don't know. Maybe they're in it for the action. I don't know. I do not understand why at four o'clock in the morning, if there's something illegal, it's going to be there. It's going to be there at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sure he's not moving it out every day and then moving it back in at night. What the hell, man? It's bizarre. How do people not see this? I mean, you would think that people who like, co- who, who like cops, respect cops, my daddy's a cop, would want them to be as safe as possible. It's a lot safer for them to knock on the door at four o'clock. You can't flush guns down a friggin' toilet. Okay, I can understand drugs almost, <laughs> you can't flush guns down a toilet. It'd be easier to knock on the door and secure, secure the perimeter at four o'clock in the afternoon because let me tell you something. If somebody comes through my door at four o'clock in the morning and is screaming police, if I was a home intruder, that's what I would do. If I was breaking into (laughs) homes in the middle of the night and, you know, like to rob people, I would be saying, police, police, get down, get down on the floor. I mean, they've done that before. People who do home invasions, they've done that before. I'm shooting. I don't care. I mean, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to light the place up. Why would they do that? Why do you do that? Why? Or how about waiting until someone like, oh, we walked up. We need to serve them a summons, so we're going to walk up to the front door and everything. It's like, well, I mean, how about when they're walking out to their car? Just wait until they walk out to the car and they'll walk up to them. And why do you have to knock on the door? They could have a gun in there. They don't know that you're a real cop. I don't. I don't trust anyone. It's easy to fake a, a police uniform. I mean, it's just this is so stupid. It's just so stupid. And they're there for guns. Cops would never take guns. Duncan Lemp, look it up.
1: Do you remember when Donald Trump said, take the guns first and do process later? And then the conservatives went silent. Like there was no, especially the Second Amendment folks, They, they did not bat an eye. On, 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 on the majority, maybe some, you know, in a small majority, but on the, on the majority of, of Trump supporters, they didn't say anything about it.
0: He owns the libs. Yeah. I'll be willing to give up my guns for a president that owns the libs. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. It's so ridiculous. You know, and I do like, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I like that Trump made the left absolutely insane. And the guy was a horror show when it came to like rights and, and, you know, I mean, worship the cops, worship the military and worshiped Israel. I mean, the most pro Israel president in the history of the United States, it, it declares Jerusalem, the, the capital of Israel. How is that the job of the American president? What the hell is going on here? How do Christians not see this? I just don't know what the, I
1: don't know what is going on. So we use video to, to, to conversate, but we don't share video. We just do the audio. If y'all can see Pete's face right now, y'all you know, would be cracking up. It's hilarious. Just watching his, 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 the interaction with his face has been so much fun. Cause he's, he's,
0: and my and I'm I'm talking like an Italian over here with my hands going all
1: over the place. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. I got tears. It, man, we, we kind of went off topic and that's cool though. I was excited to have you on because like I said, told you in the beginning I, top five of my podcasts, I listen to on the regular. I appreciate it. Very, very, every, every time I listen to your show, I learn something new, which is awesome to me. Like if. If I'm not getting anything out of a podcast, I'll move on. All right, buddy. Uh, we'll uh, go in and plug uh, what, whatever you want to plug. I'll let you get out of here. Free Man Beyond
0: the Wall podcast. I really want you to, um, I, I just recorded an episode before I recorded this, two hours with Matt Erickson from King Pilled, Pod, uh, from King Pilled Channel on YouTube. And we talk a lot about Christianity and religion in it. Um, and I think that, check it out. It's going to be episode 593. And I think it, it's in a positive light. i mean matt's you know Matt's an, I think Matt's gone over to orthodox Christianity now, and um a lot of it's in a positive light a lot i mean it's all in a positive light towards uh towards Christianity because you know we re- we realize that government comes from i mean Western government and the United States government really comes at Christianity. Um, they got a sub stack by any means necessary. Check me out on Twitter where I'm constantly getting banned and suspended. I'm suspended on Facebook right now for like another 19 days. Monopoly on violence. If you have Amazon Prime, search the Monopoly on violence. We're, uh, we're really proud of that documentary. I think we did a really good job with it.
1: Yeah, fantastic documentary. It was a big thing. All right, buddy, I'm going to let you get out of here and go make your dinner. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for joining us this week on The Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts
0: to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit TheBadRoman.com.